I think honestly that designers need to be open to a new revenue stream, a new form of doing business with the same clients and hopefully adding to them in a way that they might not feel comfortable with at first, but can get comfortable with and I think really enjoy it. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your business? Then welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast, helping home professionals and luxury brands accelerate their success with proven marketing strategies and expert industry practices. Now, here's your host, Darla Powell. This podcast is brought to you by Wingnut Social, a digital marketing agency for interior designers, architects, contractors, and adjacent verticals. For more information, go to wingnutsocial.com. Hey there, welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, the Grand High Poobah of all things Wingnut, Darla Powell. And today we are talking all about managing home construction projects as an interior designer. Are you running screaming? Well, don't, because today's guest, Renee Beery, is going to break it all down and hopefully take away that sweaty palm syndrome when it comes to even thinking about doing any kind of construction, remodeling, or design build for your interior design business. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that conversation. A little bit of house cleaning before we get into the mini news and my interview with Renee Beery. First of all, we have a webinar upcoming with the fabulous Linda Holt of Linda Holt Creative, lindaholt.com. And this webinar is called How to Take Magazine-Worthy Smartphone Photos. If you're a fan of Linda Holt, and who isn't really, you know that she is a professional photographer turned interior decorator, and she has some serious tricks up her sleeve so you can get some very, very nice photography to help clients see the work you're putting down and to pick up the phone and call you and send you money. And in today's age of photographers out there saying, no, you cannot use this upper right quadrant of my photo unless you pay me $1 million and you can only post it on the wall in your bathroom. (laughs) Us taking our very own photos is becoming more and more attractive. During this webinar, Linda Holt will share clear, actionable steps to immediately improve your smartphone images. Learn how to use your smartphone more like a digital camera. The best way to get straight lines, strategies for mastering lighting, and must-have editing apps. Ooh. So be sure to show up on February the 24th at 11 a.m. Go to the link. So this webinar will be on Zoom, right? Like everything else on February the 24th of this year, 2022 at 11 a.m. Hit up wingnutsocial.com slash podcast for this episode with Renee Beery for the direct link to register. And oh, did I forget to mention it is absolutely free. Again, that's wingnutsocial.com slash podcast to get that link. All right, before I get into the mini news sesh, really quick, you guys know I'm a geek. The book of Boba Fett, are we loving it? Are we hating it? Are we really disappointed? (laughs) I got to admit, I'm a little disappointed until the one big episode came up that was basically The Mandalorian. I'm hooked on The Mandalorian, but The Book of Boba Fett, not so much. Okay, that was breaking news. Thought you needed to know. All right, now you know what time it is. Time for mini news, mini news sesh. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Instagram is adding scheduled live displays on Instagram user profiles. That's right, kids. Now, when users go to your profile on Instagram, if you have a live coming up, there will be right under your little bio there, it'll say live video, Q&A, or what have you, the date and the time. So gone are the days of just getting in there and impromptu doing a live and just hoping people show up because they see your little flaming circle there on Instagram. And you can create more than one scheduled live. I don't know what the limit is, but you can create more than one. And they're going to also appear in a side-scrolling list when added to your profile display. Anyone who comes by your profile is going to be able to see this, mark down the date, mark down the time, sit there in front of their screen with bated breath in a bucket of popcorn, and tune into your live. Oh, and something else. When they tap the display, they're going to be prompted to tap the remind me button. So they don't even have to write it down. They'll just be reminded when they go into their app and say, hey, Susan McNuggets is going live. So this is going to be great for increasing awareness and more importantly, viewership for your lives. Now it's a great time to sharpen up your Instagram live strategy. And at Wingnut Social, we recommend you guys do at least four videos a month because they get tremendous traction and they're really, really helpful to get clients to see what it's like to work with you, to feel what it is that you're putting down. Man in new sash. Yeah. yeah. Now let's get into my interview with Renee Beery. But first, a little bit about the woman. Renee Beery is an interior designer with 29 years of experience, formally trained in practical interior architecture with advanced technical and rendering proficiency. Credentials include NCIDQ board licensing as a professional member of the ASID. In 2000, Renee established her very own firm, De Vignet Design Incorporated, working in home renovation as well as new construction management. She's a wife, a mom of two, a dog parent, and just launched her online course, Only Girl on the Job for Interior Designers. She also has a podcast by that same name, by the way, The Only Girl on the Job. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Renee Beery to the podcast. Hey there, Renee Beery. Welcome to the podcast. How the hell are you? Hi, Darla. I'm great. How are you? I am doing terrific, and I'm excited to talk to you about this topic today, because today we're talking about renovation management, right? It sounds intimidating, and a lot of designers are are leaving a lot on the table by not doing it. So you're the girl today to talk about this. Are you game? Absolutely. All right, cool. So Renee, give us just a little bit of your background and uh, tell us uh, who you are, what you do, and what makes you an expert in this space, and then we'll dig in. Okay. Um, my name is Renee Beery. I'm the owner of Devigne Design, and I have been doing renovations for almost 30 years. I thought this was normal. When I went to graduate school in New York City, we were trained to do it. And so therefore, when I graduated, I worked for firms that did this. And it wasn't until I moved back to my home state of Delaware that I realized I was sort of the anomaly. And the rest of the community, the architects, the Builders, contractors, subcontractors didn't include me to the party because they didn't see my value. And so slowly and 
but surely I worked my way through and showed how much incredible value an interior designer can add to a renovation project, not only for the client, but for the support that we can provide for all of the subs on the project. All right. So when talking about this subject, a couple of business models come to mind, right? And the, the first actual interior decorator or designer that comes to mind is Claire Jefford, who is a, a business coach in the industry, and she's been on the podcast. And her business model is just to do a design, do the floor plan, have a packet, hand it off to the client, not do any renovation, not do any project management, not to get involved in any of that, just because for her, it's a more streamlined approach. And I know that a lot of the designers listening are tempted to do that. So so tell us what we'd be uh, missing out on by not becoming an expert in, in managing some of this renovation or, or what's in it for us besides... I'm sure I can't be the only one thinking oh, this got a pain in the ass, a lot of headache. <laughs> well, sure. Um, I'd say most of what we do for a living is a pain in the ass and headaches. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, um, you know, what I find is it's it's really your threshold of tolerance and pain. And I think it's fantastic if if Claire has established that all she wants to do is the design and hand off, then that actually serves her and her clients really well. To me, the way I set it up with the client is that I'm a one-stop shop, right? I don't just do the renovation management. We decorate. We, you know, in the beginning, we can actually affect how things will be in the end for whatever it is, a big sectional sofa. Or, you know, you walk into a room, you're thinking, God, it wouldn't be great if the window was seven inches to the left because I'd put this Mac Daddy sectional. Well, if you're part of the actual design build, you can do that, right? So it's really this totally comprehensive package that you can offer to your clients. And and I find that that is really what sets me apart from a lot of the other women in in my area doing traditional decorating. But I I do that as well. In the best of years, I probably keep 60% construction projects and 40% decorating. That's by design by me because that's sort of what I prefer to do. But you can make whatever mix you want. I just love the fact that my clients don't have to source other specialists, right? When they hire me, I can help them decorate their living room one year. The next year, they're going to gut their kitchen. They call me. The next year, they're going to renovate their master bedroom and bathroom. They call me again. They're not trying to find all of these other variables. And the continuity of service is so incredibly important for the most successful outcomes, right? You already know the people, you know what their likes and dislikes are. You know that the guy is never going to approve, you know, X, Y, or Z because he doesn't like that kind of stuff. One of the first things that I think about when I think about getting into something other than decorating or just handing off your package is, I want to kind of say scalability, but that's not actually correct. It's just the, the opportunity to have the larger projects and being more than just an interior design firm, but an interior design build firm or getting those those really big money-making projects when you get to one of the goals that some of the designers have. You know, I don't want 100 projects in the air. I want two or three really good ones. And it seems that this particular component, this skill set would be key to that kind of business goal, business model. Is that, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I'm on projects. Uh, we did an entire ground up construction. It lasted three years and, and landed in or ended in decorating the entire project. Mm -hmm. So, and we're still finishing up. That was a little pandemic issue, but you know, it is something also I find 
personally, I believe it will sustain our industry going forward as procurement is becoming a problem. There's lots of design firms who are giving up that revenue stream. And and while I understand the frustrations and why they may want to, they're giving up a revenue stream. And, and at the end of the day, there are only so many billable hours in waking time. And so if you are trying to salvage the lack of procurement through billable hours in designing, it, it is actually much easier to do that if you're helping manage projects. It's just it's just a guarantee. You know, if I'm on a three year project and I have weekly meetings every Wednesday at eight a.m., there's guaranteed in- income right there, just that one meeting. And so it's something that I think I, I really want more designers to to feel more comfortable doing. And I think it's the intimidation factor rather than the interest. It, it, that's what I find when designers reach out to me. It's not that they're not interested. It's they don't really know if they should or if they dare to. And actually, more often than not, the designers who are sort of dabbling in it, they're typically hired by the client to do it. it I find it fascinating. So the client is seeing a skill in the designer the designer hasn't noticed or acknowledged in herself. And that's something I want to encourage. So let's talk a little bit about background and let's talk about credentials and ability to do so. So you're NCIDQ, right? You have a formal education in interior design. And I think that a lot of the listeners out there might be thinking, okay, that I'm going to have to have that at least set up in order to be able to do that. And that's part of the intimidation factor because we do have decorators. We do have designers by semantics, you know, that are out there designing, but maybe don't have a formal education or, or have that. So talk to me about that barrier to entry in this kind of business model? I don't see it as a barrier. If anything, I'm overqualified as far as my education. I learned some in school, but like any other job, I learned more from the women I worked with over the years. And while I was able to climb the ranks, you know, I did that whole thing where you started as the librarian, a junior designer, the designer, the senior designer, you know, I was young, I could afford to do those steps. I do have designers who are second, third, fourth careers at this point, and and they don't have that luxury. And so they're learning as they go. And, and there's still room to do all of that. It's just a matter of being open and, and honest. You know, you, if you tell your client, hey, I've renovated a few bathrooms, I, I have never done a kitchen, but I know I can, and this contractor will will help me. You're learning as you go. That's that's how I learned. You're just learning it as you're leading the project, as opposed to just um, you know being an assistant or something lower on the on the totem pole. So I don't see it as a requirement. There are certain states that I do know that have certain requirements, uh, California in particular. But it, depending on the state, no, I I don't believe. Um, while I will always be a proponent of solid education, mainly because I loved my my school. Um, I'll shout out to New York School of Interior Design. But aside from that, um, no, I, I learn more every day. I learn every day. I still learn every day. Well, to your point, my design firm in, in Florida, Miami, Florida, Darla Powell Interiors, I was the, the head, the principal, and we knocked down walls and we did renovations all the time under my direction. But I do not have a formal education. But what I did have and made sure that I had was I had people on my team who did or I had contractors or my trades or my architects who I ran it by to make sure that I could delegate or or make sure that that was possible and <laughs> nobody's house or kitchen was going to implode. So Absolutely. <laughs> 
And it is intimidating. It can be intimidating, but that's why I think when you partner with a contractor or you partner with, and, and I, when I, I lightly mean partner, I don't mean yeah, affiliate with, sure. but when you are working with a contractor, they all have a small architect or you can find one on your own that will basically work with you and seal a drawing if you need that for to pull a permit or what have you. It, it shouldn't be a barrier. It, it's something you need to understand and recognize that that's a part of the process, but it should not be a barrier. Okay, Renee, so why do you think that more designers right now don't offer this service? I definitely think it's intimidation. Mm-hmm. It's it's lack of confidence in their skills and and it can be overwhelming. You know, we all watch HGTV and I personally yell at the TV most of the time. And, you know, mistakes are expensive on renovation projects. And that's why, you know, I encourage people to to get some experience in a whole host of different ways. But I, I think it's intimidation. To be fair, um, I started a podcast called The Only Girl on the Job Site because that is my role. And, and that can be intimidating. I can still be intimidated. It doesn't happen that often. But every so <laughs> often, you know, when there's 20 guys and you, yeah. um, it, you know, yeah. you feel odd man out. There's no other way to put it. So you have to build skills on how to, you know, level that playing field. And while I have learned to enjoy that part of it, I can see where that would be um, a roadblock for others. Okay. So say you're out there and you're listening to this and you're like, you know, I have been intimidated by this. It is a service that I've wanted to offer. I've really kind of dreamed of doing a, a design build firm or something with a lot more renovation at the very least. Where does one go to start getting their feet wet in that? There, are we just telling the client, uh, you know, hey, I've never done a kitchen, but you know, <laughs> give me a shot. I mean, when you said that earlier, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't. It's more like a fake it. Fake it till you make it and tell the contractor, hey, do this kitchen. <laughs> but where do you go? Where does one go to get the experience? Are you recommending to intern with another designer or really just get in there and, and have some clients who are like willing to take a risk, maybe at a lower hourly rate? What are some avenues? All of the above. Okay. Honestly, I think it depends on your skills. I mean, there are people who are like, oh, hey, I've, I've renovated my own kitchen. I rented my, my own bathroom. Now, don't think that those are going to be similar situations because playing with someone else's money versus your money and playing, you know, but these are designers who are used to that, you know, but, and also their tastes and things like that. But if you have some experience, you can build on that, right? Then you tell the contractor and you absolutely price yourself appropriately. And there will be clients that are excited for that, right? They're like, okay, you're getting something from my project and I'm getting something from you. It's a win win. Um, the other is you can partner up with other designers. And I know there's this terrible, you know, impression in our industry that we're all competing with each other. And, and it's just simply not true. You know, we just, if someone wants to work with me, they're not going to want to work with you. And, you know, so I think we need that, that confidence that, that that's true. Right. And so if someone says, no, I, they're going to say no. I mean, that's inevitable. Then that wasn't the right job for you. But I do want to encourage people not to fake it till they make it. They will make expensive mistakes. <laughs> yes, and they will. <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> yes. And so you need to find someone who, who can support you, maybe not hold your hand, but support you. And, and a good contractor will do that. An architect will do that. And that's how you're going to build your experience each time. Slowly. 
one one project at a time. <laughs> one mistake at a time. Or even sometimes, in my experience with uh, my design firm, even with the contractors and the architects, you're always going to run into something. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, let's let's change that. Or there's something in the wall or something you didn't see. Or there's a there's learning process. There's not a single yeah. project that doesn't have issues. Period. I think that's part of the Anjana. <laughs> it's part of the. It's kind of why I like them. <laughs> managing the ex- sickness. Really? Okay. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. Some people thrive on that. They really do. And if that is you, if that's your type of personality, and you really like problem solving and project managing and going, then this could be something that you love. And you know, if you're not that designer, then you're going to just hand them the designs and say, "See ya. Have a good day." <laughs> and that goes with with how you manage your client. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go in and say, "We got this." Okay, well, there'll be something. But you go in saying, there's going to be something. And my clients will laugh at, and, and joke at the end. They're like, you told us, Renee, we said, no, it'll never happen. But sure enough, it happened. I'm like, I'm sorry to be right on this note. But but yeah, <laughs> things happen. There's no way you can predict everything. Um, so I think if you're just honest and open about it and say, I don't know where it's going to come from. We're going to manage it as we find it. And you're in good hands. I've never had a client go, oh, hell no. I'm not going to do it then. Yeah. No, they go, okay, and we'll handle it as it comes. Where I think designers go wrong is they try to keep themselves separate from the team. And, and, and maybe that's not the best way to put it. But they, you know, for instance, I have seen designers walk on job sites in heels and skirts. And then I think, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, how are you trying to be a team member? when you clearly can't even probably legally even be on the job site, right? It's not even safe for you. And so I really want to encourage people that that they need to be a team member because there are tons of contractors and architects and subs who do not want you on a project. And they are often pretty upfront about that. They see you as an annoyance, um, someone who will add to the budget or blow the budget or ruin the you know schedule and it is frustrating. And that's when you sort of have to just take a deep breath and say, I'm going to prove this guy wrong because I'm going to be a value add to this project. But there is that stereotype that designers will ruin a project. Um, and, and <laughs> I think some of it's earned because yeah, you, do, do you see these women go on these sites and you're going, what are you doing now? Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not in work boots and, and, you know, car hearts, <laughs> but I do wear a lot of blue jeans. And, and so a friend of my daughter's mother was like, I had no idea you worked. I'm like, yeah, well, these are my work clothes. You know, <laughs> this is what I, I'm on job sites. I don't want to get my nice clothes dirty. And so I think that's really important for designers to, to understand and appreciate. And the other is it's a vastly different schedule than a decorating project. And I have seen designers dip their toe in and run in the other direction because it's <laughs> yeah. not what they want. And, and that's okay too. But for instance, I, you know, that three-year project I was on, well, I was on meetings every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m., period, plus whatever happened in between. A plumber calls, there's an issue, you need to go. You know, you can't say, I'll be there in two weeks, you know, and, and then you're the problem. So I think there is some of that mindset issue that while it is an amazing income stream, you do become a one-stop shop for your clients and, and you really can dramatically impact the final design by being a part of these, it is a different way of working.
Wingnut Social is now accepting full-service clients for social media management. If you are overwhelmed and don't know what, when, where, or why to post, or even if you're just too damn busy and don't want to spend your precious $300 an hour design time on Facebook and Instagram posting ineffective content, then head on over to wingnutsocial.com. Hiring Wingnut Social is a no-brainer, and I'll tell you why. Because you're going to have your very own digital marketing team for your firm without the payroll taxes, the workers' comp, the health insurance, the 401ks, the sick days, or the drama, or the headaches. And we are the very best at what we do. And that is no joke. You can go check out the reviews, wingnutsocial.com, real marketing, real results, wingnutsocial.com. Now, it was part of that that terrific income stream, part of that, the not needing to fill a pipeline as much or because of the value add, you're getting top dollar for this service? Both. Okay. Absolutely. And again, as you're starting, you're not going to, you know, be charging at the top of the, the line, but it's filler money. You know, essentially, you're not trying to sell a sofa. You know, you can look out and say, I've got four projects. They each meet weekly. Those four hours, right? You know, whatever it is, it's usually more than an hour. You know, you can all of a sudden, you can start gauging your time, which at least for me in the decorating portion, I can never really gauge, you know, how much in a given month I can count on. And that has really affected a lot. And plus, I find that my clients with me. They probably spend more money with me because of that, because they know they can do that bathroom and be moving into the living room next. And then when that's done, we're going to move into this renovation. And, you know, and it just, they never go, they never go away. So you really do become a part of it. For me, I think that's one of the biggest uh, factors of attraction for this kind of business model is that very robust pipeline from bigger projects because you always want to know where your next client is coming from. It you know, as service industry-based professionals, it's always filling that pipeline, filling that sales funnel, getting those next projects. And if you're doing decorating jobs, the turn like we mentioned before, the turnovers more. You have to get more projects. You have to get more clients. And I think that's a, just a different kind of stress. Right. Once you get comfortable with this kind of stress of, of being able to master doing a renovation project and that becomes your comfort zone, I, I can see that that would be very beneficial. And it sets you apart from, quote unquote, competition who are just decorating. They're going to go, well, wait a minute, I could hire Darla and she can help me with my furnishings and finishes. Or I can hire Renee and she can help me gut my kitchen and also do that. And they're going to do what's most convenient. We all want that. So they're going to come to me because there's also this perception, and I'm not saying it's true, that there is more knowledge, there is more experience because you're doing construction work. And so I think it's a leg up automatically. Well, we started as an interior design firm making more money, the more stuff we knock down. <laughs> the more renovations, right? the more kitchens, the dirtier it got, the more money we make and the longer the project lasts. So, And the longer the project lasts. So charging, I, I, this is a whole other podcast, but just very quickly, I'm, I'm guessing you're not doing flat rates on these projects. I have investigated that 10,000 different times. I have designers who won't even speak to me anymore because they're like, Renee, I'm not talking to you until you go flat rate. <laughs> I personally can't do it. 
I make more money hourly. And I'll tell you why. I think I could do it if I just did straight decorating because I've done it long enough. I could probably, it's a formula basically, and you could kind of move the Lego pieces into place. With construction, like you said, you blow a wall down and all of a sudden you're in a whole nother direction that you didn't count on. And yes, the, the counter argument that my friends in the industry will say is, well, then you reach out to the client and you renegotiate. I don't want to do that every time. It sounds like I'm, you know, looking for money and I, and I don't want that either. I also find that clients really like the fact that they can control my hours, right? I, um, <laughs> Now, trust me, they, they lose control all the time, sure. but ultimately they could control it, right? And so they could say, okay, Renee, I really only want 20 hours. Okay, then you're getting 20 hours and I will tell you what that looks like and I will tell you where there are going to be gaps or what have you. So I haven't gone over that, you know, flat rate. I, I Trust me, someone just yeah. was chewing me out last week <laughs> in a very kind way. She's like, you're nuts, Renee. You got to do it this flat rate. On a, on a renovation project, unless you have a, a, a butt ton of experience, I would think that projecting a flat rate would be difficult. But where we saved our butts on the on the flat rate stuff is the, the amount of revisions. So it would be like anything over these revisions, it's hourly. So which in an, at the end, pretty much just became hourly. Became hourly. Yeah. So right. to save yourself. So and I think about this one project, I, this three-year project. I met the client one evening. You had asked me earlier about marketing, and this sort of ties into that. But uh, an architect brought me onto this meeting. I was prepared for my dog and pony show, right? <laughs> I was going in to meet these people for the first time. Sure. It was a very large build, and I had never laid eyes on them before. An architect had been with them, you know, it's usually about six, eight months by the time they call me. And uh, halfway through the meeting, I am sort of mentally preparing for the dog and pony and to sell them. And they're like, okay, this is great. And I'm like, wait, what? Like I get the job, you know, and, <laughs> and this is after, you know, 25 plus years. I'm like, all right. There and you go. I'm like, fantastic. Now that moment when I would have been contracting with them, I would have assumed knowing the site, I'd never seen their home. We met at the architect's office. I saw the plans for a very substantial home. I assumed they were coming from something within keeping, right? Like, half the size. They were coming, as it turned out, from a fraction of the size. And that same night that I would have been drawing up the contract at flat rate, I had no idea that they were bringing no furniture. Literally, actually, sorry, one king bed there you go. came with them. So I would have completely screwed myself out of an amazing amount of revenue because the project grew and grew and grew. And, and I just, I, I, it's the one thing I was just arguing with yeah. my friend. I said, I would have lost so much on this one job alone because of that. I just don't think it's worth it. Definitely. I think it's dependent upon the project, the client, the project, what it is that you're doing. It, it, I, I just don't think there's a, a flat black and white. This is how it must be done for this project in the end in perpetuity. Amen. Let's talk a little bit about marketing this. So there's designers out there like, you know, I want to pivot, but I don't have this experience yet. And you'd mentioned before, you can do your own kitchen, you can do your own bathrooms. And that's something that I did when I first started out and, and posted the project and the, the journey on my social media channels. This is something that I recommend for the designers that come to us as a marketing agency who say, I'm aspirational. I want to be a design build firm. I want to do more renovations. I don't want to do decorating anymore. And then I'm like, well, then stop posting 
you just fluffing <laughs> pillows on your social media. Start tearing down some stuff, documenting it, and post that. And that that lets clients know that you're you're their girl. What have you found to be effective for marketing for your firm to get this kind of work versus just sheer decorating? Mostly, you're right. I'm at hundred percent social, and my some of my followers on social are like, "Wow." more construction sites, you know? <laughs> so now I do throw in the pretty pictures at the end, sure. every, you know, just a smattering to make them happy. But you do, <laughs> you need to broadcast what you want to do, right? And if you want to do more construction work, then you need to broadcast it to anyone. Because that is also the difference between a true decorating job and a design, you know, build renovation project. Because there are more people doing renovation projects that need the help than there are doing traditional decorating. It's just the facts. I mean, a school teacher, she might be renovating her bathroom. She may not be hiring a decorator to help her with her living room, right? The world of what I call it, the world of restoration hardware, you know, the access that these people have, have really truly cut into why people think they need a designer. Of course, they need us for thousand other more important reasons, but they don't think they need us. Whereas a renovation project, they know like, oof, one, I work all day. Who's going to be managing all this? I don't know what I'm supposed to be selecting. You know, it is just, a, it, it's a self-sustaining industry because more and more people, and while I hate the HG channel, HGTV <laughs> channel, yeah. it does educate people as to what they can do. Mm-hmm. And but hopefully they're learning what they shouldn't be doing on their own. So I, I think it's it's really an important avenue that designers should explore. And the nicest part about it is, you know, for instance, I don't do a lot of, I, I don't put ads in newspapers. I don't, I used to put ads in magazines. It just isn't, there's no return. Mm-hmm. So I don't do any of that. So really my best form of marketing prior to social media was my client having a cocktail party. Right. Yes. And, and showing right. Yes. And showing off my work. Yes. That's kind of hard to live off of. Right. That's sort of luck at that point. Whereas with renovation, guess who else I can now reach out to? Every realtor has a client that could be mine. Every contractor has a client that could be mine. Every architect. Now they do sometimes have in-house and I get that. And those are ones you just quickly do some research and say, it's probably not for me you can reach out to them anyway. You know, all of that, all of those industries come into play and can absolutely build a business. You know, I have a realtor friend right now. She and I've worked together for years and she will have someone moving in from out of town. They don't know anyone. And guess what? She knows me. She knows my work. She trusts me. She gives them my name. I may not take the job because it may be not a good fit or what have you, but I've done nothing. I literally have just answered the phone because I've established over the years that that I can do what she needs me to do plus whatever. So I, I think it's much easier to market my construction abilities than actually it is my decorating abilities. Yeah, I see that. I think it's a bigger pain point. But to your point, everybody who's watching HGTV or shopping at Restoration Hardware are seeing themselves as being their own decorator. <laughs> I mean, not everybody. Um, there's decorators still, of course, are getting work. That's something that they think that they can do at home, but they, they're not remodeling their kitchen by themselves. They're they're hiring out for sure. So, and talking about decorating, right? So, this is something that you still do is the decorating part, and it seems like that this would be like the free and easy, easy breezy cover girl part of the renovation project. But how do you how do you balance these two elements? 
Yeah. You're assuming I'm balancing them. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> um, I do both because I enjoy both. And again, I want to be that one stop shop. So if, you know, if I'm helping a client build a house, I don't want them to go hire a designer to do the furnishings. And it sort of happens and evolves as it goes. I mean, as these rooms become three dimensional, you know, that's when you're starting the conversations of, well, let's put the sideboard here or let's put the sofa and sectional there. And, you know, so it sort of actually just goes, marries right into the, the natural stages of the construction process. And nowadays you got to plan 30 weeks out if you want a sofa. So it actually works out just fine. (laughs) Boy, ain't that the truth? That is, that is the truth. Renee, is there anything that I've forgotten to ask you on this topic that you think the audience needs to hear before we get into the what up wingnut round? No, I, I think honestly that designers need to be open to a new revenue stream, a new form of doing business with the same clients and hopefully adding to them in a way that they might not feel comfortable with at first, but can get comfortable with. Um, and I think really enjoy it. Yeah. And I think that's key. It, the only way you're going to grow <laughs> is to get uncomfortable. That's that's true. And I used to resist that for years and years and years. And it's only been since, you know, I've broken through those discomfort barriers that I've managed to accomplish anything. And that's that's pretty universal, I think, I'm going to say. Agreed. And trust me, I'm not sure I'd be telling you this 20 years ago, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Uh, yeah, sure. So, and I was doing it then. So it, it is a level of confidence. And I, and I don't want to, to make light of that or appear that that's not the case. But yeah, I think it's a really important time in our industry to see where the next chapter is. And my fear is that the next chapter is less in procurement and and therefore more into the renovation. I mean, look at the channels. Every Mm -hmm. time you turn on, there's another new channel showing home renovations. I mean, that is where the market, obviously they're not making those shows if they weren't being watched. So their interest, the interest is there and I think we can capitalize on it. All right. Awesome. Renee Berry, now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. I think so. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? I did my best. I like that. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food. What's it going to be? I'm not sure why this is so hard. I I have a lot of favorite foods, but I would probably have to say chocolate. Okay, good. That's a very good choice. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has had an impact on you either personally or professionally. I loved reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. Good one. I am notorious for following schedules and charts and everything else. It's creating them that I struggle with. And his idea of habit stacking is something that I that makes sense to my brain, right? And and where you what you do is you go through your normal day and which you, you know, let's say you wash your face first, then you brush your teeth. That's your habit. So if you want to say meditate for five minutes, then you stack it right after you brush your teeth so that it becomes a habit of, well, I already washed my face, then I brush my teeth. Now I'm gonna meditate for five minutes. And I I can get I I, I understand that. My brain my brain does process it. That's pretty smart. I have that in my Audible queue, but it's been a long time since I've listened to it. I'm, like, I'm going to have to revisit it. So, Renee, please tell the audience where they can go to find out more about you. And you have a, a course on this subject for interior designers right now, don't you? I do. I had a lot of interior designers reach out to me looking for more information. And and, and while I was ha- helping them one email at a time, I realized I could help them 
en masse. So I actually created a course, Only Girl on the Job Site Designers Edition for interior designers on how to manage a project, how to manage a client, <laughs> how to manage you know, the egos that perhaps contractors and <laughs> architects bring, which can be large. And, um, and I'm, my hope is to elevate the industry. I really, you know, obviously it's what I, it's what I love. I've done nothing else in my career. And, and for me, I think that interior designers um, can do more. And, and should do more. Almost 30 years of experience. Do you think you're going to stick with this career or what? <laughs> I feel like I don't have any other choice, right? <laughs> right. I worked for TCBY in college, so I guess that's my backup. Oh, right. <laughs> so where can the designers listening go to find out more about this course and more about you? So I'm on social media, both Instagram, Facebook, at Davinia Design. And that's where I show a lot of literal on the project. I, I make lots of comments about what I'm working on, what went wrong what I'm going to do to fix it. And then um, my website, devinyedesign.com has the course information. Um, and then I have the podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. And I talk all things construction. It's it's not necessarily the sexiest thing, but um, <laughs> but I think it's hey, fun. Hey, listen, money is sexy. <laughs> and if it makes us money, then it's sexy as hell. Don't. <laughs> all right. You know what? If I can help one designer keep herself out of hot water, I, I consider that a return on my investment. There you go. A hundred percent. All right, guys, if you want to get those links or you want to find out more about Renee Beery, just go over to wingnutsocial.com slash podcast. Check out this episode number, what is it? 251. Look at that. Right? Yeah. 251. Wow. 251 episodes. <laughs> and you can get all those hot links. Renee, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. All right, guys, be sure to head on over to deviniedesign.com. Again, that link will be in the show notes at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast for this episode number 250 uno. And you can look up all about Renee there and her situation with her online course and see how she's marketing herself as a design build renovation expert. She's She did mention something that I was kind of, I meant to mention it in her interview. She's like, clients are saying, oh, here, yeah, here you go. Another remodel, another behind the scenes, more dust. And, you know, it was kind of funny, but at the same time, clients are saying that and she is the go-to for that. You know what I mean? So it's not like they're going to question, hey, you know, I have a remodel. Let me think. Someone who can manage a project, Dusty Design. Oh, yeah, Renee. Renee over there at Davinier Design. I saw her on Instagram and that is what she does. We have so many clients that come to us and they say, you know, I don't understand why I'm not getting more design build projects or more home renovations or more of this kind of scale of project. And when you go and you look at what they're putting out into the universe with their marketing, their digital marketing, it's small jobs. It's small decorating. It's, you know, a beautiful sofa, beautiful painting, but it's not a knockdown, teardown, whole home renovation story that they've shown themselves managing on the job, designing, finishing, installing, and photographing, you know? It's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, at some point, you're going to have to have a client with full transparency that might know your level of expertise is uh, at the lower end of the hourly rate to get that experience. Or you can do what so many of us have done and then just make your house the guinea pig. That's how I learned which contractors and architects I could partner with and have confidence in. I just used myself as the guinea pig. And if their work ethic and their work was terrific on my house, then they got to work with me on the professional side. 
but it is one way to do it in a very good way if you have a very limited portfolio. So if you're out there and you're aspiring to do some more project management, some more renovations, some more remodels, don't be scared. Take some of Renee's advice, head on over to her website, see what she's putting out there for advice for you, or you meet up with other designers, see what it is they're doing, meet up with contractors, meet up with architects, see what they're willing to partner with you on. And again, that's partner in a, um, a creative sense. You're not going to sign them up and give them 50% of your business. <laughs> yeah, so um, I feel the need to have to say that. Okay, don't forget our amazing webinar with Linda Holt, all about on how to take exceptional smartphone images for your interior design business so you can stop having crappy photos. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> and that's going to be again on February the 24th at 11 a.m. It is a totally, totally free webinar. Go register. If for some reason you can't make it at that particular hot minute, the replay will be available. Hit up wingnutsocial.com slash podcast, episode 251 for that link. Go ahead and give the book of Boba Fett a try. You might love it. It's no Mandalorian, but it has some has some value. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I am getting a, a Tusken Raider action figure, uh, which should be in the mail today, actually, as I'm recording this. Can't wait. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Remember to get out there, get uncomfortable, and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com to see how we can help you take your business from social mediocre to social media master. Thanks again. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Just when you think you're prepared. Just when you think you got all your ducks in a row, one of them goes and ah! on you. Do a cartwheel right out the 10th floor window. That is a mouthful. I swear, I feel like, um, I feel like a flappy mouth robot. It's no wonder they can't get those animatronics to look realistic, like in Disney World, because the amount of muscles and articulation that you have to use to say this stuff... It's, it's crazy. That's why they look like Muppets still. Good boy, Mango.